Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the PBSC podcast. It's Mark Castleman and Steve Moore here. Good to be with you today. Uh, happy to uh, be doing episode 139 of the podcast. Uh, we're tackling part one of a three-part series here today, so we're kind of excited. We haven't done a series in several months and thought we'd, we'd uh, reignite that a little bit and hit on a couple of topics that relate closely to each other. And yeah, we're, we're uh, super stoked. We hope you'll hang out with us here for the next three weeks. It's, like I said, part one of three. And we are going to be tackling the power of journaling. Yes. That was the wrong sign for that. That's the wrong one. Yes, the power of journaling. Oh. There we go. The power of journaling. <laughs> like, like it's a downer. Like, yeah. well, you're going to be talking about what? <laughs> I got to know my soundboard better before I hit buttons. No, uh, we're, we're excited. Um you know, journaling is, uh, we talk, we, we mentioned journaling often on, on the podcast. Um, it comes up fairly frequently as kind of a side topic, as are some of these others in this, in this three-part series. Um, it's one of those basic rec- recovery tools that, you know, sometimes we discuss it so much in passing that we, we really neglect actually fleshing it out with you, um, you, our listeners. We do this a lot on our Dare to Connect program, but with less time on the podcast, sometimes that doesn't happen. And so before we jump into how to journal, it's probably a good thing to look at, you know, the why. Why do we yeah. even need to do that? Why is that so important in recovery? Well, and I, you know, when, whenever, when I used to hear the term journaling, the first thing that would come to my mind is, okay, yeah, was this like a little journal? It has like a, fl- a floral pattern on the outside. Does it have a little lock? I wear the key around my neck. Is this what you're asking me to do, Mark? So I get a lot of resistance, (laughs) but there's some really powerful connections in journaling with the challenges that we face, not just as addicts, but also as partners in in our healing. So let's just talk about uh, kind of what, you know, the, the, the challenge, the problem from the addict standpoint. One of the things, the biggest things about addiction is that in addiction, we become tuned out. We numb out. We're in denial. Uh, we lack what we call emotional wholeness, right? We're we're not good at getting in tune with what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. 
Uh, and, you know, actually, if we could say that, that the opposite of mindfulness is the state of compulsion or addiction. Mm, we just get yeah. completely sealed off. And we do it for a good reason, right? We, we go to these addiction outlets because we don't want to feel. Because mm. there's a great deal of pain in our lives or trauma or, um, you know, abuse or betrayal or loneliness or just all, all the different kinds of triggers that throw us into those addiction outlets. They're nearly always at the opposite end of the spectrum of feeling and mindfulness and self-awareness. So that's a great challenge in coming out of addiction is how do we, how do we break out of that? And journaling is the way to do it. For sure. You know, and, and the same holds true with partners, right? Um, for very different reasons, partners also really struggle to feel vulnerable emotion and to be able to connect uh, with themselves and with others, most especially their partner for a lot of reasons. The first is, you know, partners out of necessity, right? Following betrayal, most spouses find themselves to one degree would to one degree or another in a, in a very serious survival mode state. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to navigate the day to day, depending on the gravity of the betrayal, how much they knew before versus now. Right? There's lots of factors in that. Uh, many of the spouses that Mark and I work with are, and, and you listeners, you're just trying to get through the day. Um, how do I make it till tomorrow? How do I not kill him today? How do I? you know, see anything else other than just immediately ending this relationship and walking away. How do I, right? There's, there's so much of that, but, but it even is more complicated than that. In addition to that emotional burden that you're carrying, what we usually see with partners, unfortunately, is that when trust is violated and safety is violated in such a deep way, that ripples into other relationships as well, including with the self. Um, yeah. Many of the partners that Mark and I work with tragically struggle, for example, to trust their own gut. Um, if he, you know, the age old adage, if, if he could betray me or hurt me this way, or she could hurt me or betray me this way, and I didn't see it or didn't pick up on it or didn't know, well, how authentic is anybody else or anything else in my life? Right? What, what, is, what is there that I can really rely on or depend on if it's not, if I can't do that with my own partner? Maybe that's not possible with anybody. And so, and so partners find themselves really struggling both internally and just with others in general, having a hard time forming and keeping up with uh, those connections. And obviously that's complicated by the lack of energy and everything else. And so this disconnection for very different reasons affects in very significant ways, both the addict and the partner. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, you know, some other things come to my mind about the challenges that the addict faces. Mm. You know, as I look back at my addiction years, um, I was very much in a place of hiding versus being truthful. I yeah. was very isolated versus being open. Um, I would go to great lengths to escape and avoid any kind of confrontation. Um, I would say that I was, I was really emotionally fragile as versus being emotionally resilient. Um, yeah. spent a great deal of my life in the world of fantasy versus reality. And probably one of the biggest burdens that when I started to get into recovery that hit me hard was that I had been living as an imposter as opposed to really stepping into my true higher self. Yeah. Yeah. And again, all of this relates to the journaling process to mm -hmm. begin to bring me out of this. Yeah. And you, you know, as you talked about partners, Steve, there, there were a few other things you and I had talked about before this about the partners as well. 
you know, we work with a lot of uh, a, a lot of women, for example, who are who are in betrayal trauma healing, and who have addict spouses, and they they often talk about that they find themselves starting to live reactively. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, everything's reactive instead of proactive. Like they're not in control of their own lives or feelings anymore. Just putting out and, fires. Yeah, putting yeah, they're they become yeah. a, you know, putting out fires constantly. And and you you often Steve talk about this this compromising their authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, that's not a, a, a totally clear phrase all by itself. It, it bears mm-hmm. some explaining, but I think if you, you should talk about that for a minute here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got, I, I have clients I'm working with right now and, and I'm Mark, I know you do too. It's very, I think one of the saddest parts that, uh, of, of working with, with partners that Mark and I see is when you know a, a partner, and understandably so, because they are trying to survive, because they are trying to protect themselves, because they're they're lacking skills and tools to be able to do that, because they never planned on having to do that. Right? Who plans on having to defend themselves from their spouse? Mm-hmm. Who plans on being under attack within their own marriage? Right? They they find themselves having to turn to things that are less authentic, and it's such a tragedy to work with. With, for example, some of some of you wives who, in a non-traumatized state, are happy and bubbly and full of hope, right? And life, and you're open and you're vulnerable and you bring joy into the room. I will, Mark, and I will so often see that same woman out of again a, a survival necessity mentality turn into somebody that they completely are not in addressing their husband, right? become very attacking, very, and I don't mean attacking in terms of healthy accountability. We're talking about very toxic, right? Um, personally, personal attacks, oftentimes out of a place of, hey, I'm hurting and I, I want you to feel what it like, it's like to hurt too. Not trying to be vicious, but it oftentimes coming out that way. They will oftentimes compromise their own authenticity through either the way that they approach their spouse or even more sadly, sometimes through taking actions of betrayal themselves in the relationship from a place of pain that not only does that complicate the relationship further and not only are they having to deal with all of that pain and trauma from their partner, but then they come in and then, but then you come and meet with Mark and I, and you're in a place of now dealing with your own self betrayal. Yeah. Right. I can't, of, I, I can't believe the person I've become. Yeah. I, I hate the way I, the way I feel and act. I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. Right. What happened to my authentic self? It got lost in all of this. Yeah. I don't like this person. You know, I don't like who I'm becoming. Exactly. And so, yeah. So, so these are all issues that, and conditions that come with some of the fallout with this. And, and these things, it should be noted, they don't just happen at the beginning of this process. They're ongoing through the process, right? Recovery is very much a two steps forward, one step backward process, even when it's working optimally. There are setbacks. There are, relapses to navigate there are you know missteps that are taken despite you know us learning new skills and and so through this whole process we're constantly facing i guess you could say a tidal wave both as an addict and a spouse there's all these reasons that are constantly hitting us that say more or less shut down quit talking quit opening up quit sharing quit feeling it's too hard it hurts too much right and so we're constantly being pushed towards that place and journaling it, among the many other reasons why it's helpful serves as a really crucial essential anchor to keep or to get open. Yeah. 
to get vulnerable, to yep. keep vulnerable. When everything else is shouting at me to close down. Yep. Right. Feelings are too risky. Feelings hurt too much. I can't open myself. I've got to stay safe. Right. All of these things that happen. And so we get into journaling, as you said, see the place that helps us to dare to open up. It creates a safe space to open up that's not as risky as, as trying to do so with another human being or with a spouse. It's time where I, I just spend with myself, and we could say t- uh, also time with my higher power with God, which mm-hmm. can absolutely be a part of the journaling process. But the thing I love about journaling is that Everything with with addiction and recovery and betrayal, trauma and healing, life speeds up. It's like it's like it's coming at you at light speed, mm, bombarding yeah. you, and you just feel like you're you're just your 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 target practice. You're just overwhelmed, and using journaling allows you to focus and to slow down. Yes, right, let's slow this down. And see if I can begin to examine my feelings and the situation before I knee-jerk into reactive mode. I love the slowing down benefit of journaling. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Mark. I mean, it forces us into a contemplative state. If we were to talk about kind of, you know, the different parts of the brain, um, you know, and talk biology for a second, you could make the argument it forces us and puts us in a state where we, we have to start, you know, reigniting that prefrontal cortex a little bit more in a healthy way, right? To get contemplative, to be looking at the situation for what it is, as opposed to just reacting, um, which is crucial for, you know, mitigating so many of the things that we just talked about with regard to being in that reactive state, again, for an addict or for a spouse. Um, in addition to that, you know, this is, journaling is kind of the ultimate crucible, if you will, for practicing all of the skills around intimacy and authenticity that we talk about in the PBSC podcast that we talk about in the Dare to Connect program, you know, and they are many, you know, everything from self-examination, right? Looking at oneself and holding oneself accountable and practicing that to what examining just what is my authentic self, right? Who is that person? What do they look like? What do they stand for? What are they about? Where are they going to just how to be vulnerable? In some cases, how to get back there for, for others of us, especially us addicts, how to get there maybe for the first time. What does that even look like, right? Other than, you know, if I ask myself, how am I feeling? How do I answer that? Can I answer that question beyond fine or okay, <laughs> you know, or good? Mark, you say all the time, feeling fine is feelings I'm not expressing, right? Yeah, the acronym. Mm-hmm. Stands for feelings I'm not expressing, which I think is I'm totally fine. accurate. <laughs> Well, and I love what you said, you know, we, uh, here's one of the things I often see when, when people come to work with me and I know you, Steve, you see this too. They'll say, yeah, we tried couples counseling as our first step. Mm. Well, let's work out all the crap here and all the stuff going on with us, but let's just do it as, as a couple. Yeah. And, and, and I have, I don't think, I can't think of a single situation in over 20 years when I've seen that work. Yeah. And this, this is where this, for example, journaling says, look, let's take this personal experience of journaling and use that as the practice field for self-examination and authenticity and vulnerability and being accountable. Let me try it there. And then I can, I can go from that practice field into the real world. Mm, You know, it can be, it's a place where I can be free from self-judgment or the judgment of others. Right. No one's looking on journaling is for my, for my eyes only. 
right? You're be careful about, we'll talk about it in a minute about journaling for posterity. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but try it there, right? Go, I even have some people will I'll say, look, journal about a difficult conversation that you want to have or know that you're going to need to have. Play both roles in your journaling. Okay, I'm going to play my spouse and me. We're going to have this conversation mm, yeah. in my journal. Much better place to go through all of that than to just say, you know what, let's go for this. Yeah. <laughs> Without any of the skill set or practice. <laughs> no, that's so true. And and for some of us, you know, we have so, some of us, both addicts and spouses, we have so much blockage around just emotions mm. uh, that, you know, just breaking that dam is sometimes one of the biggest benefits to journaling. I've, I mean, I know myself speaking to my, throwing myself on the chopping block. When I first got into recovery, all I felt was anger. Mm. There were lots of other emotions under the surface, but I'd just gotten really good at staying in an angry place as a way to numb out the other stuff. And I just felt I was just in a constant state of being pissed, you know, whether it was at myself or my wife or the guy on the road in front of me or politics or what, as long as, long as I stayed angry, I didn't have to feel anything else. Yeah. Right. I could just stay there and just live there. And, and a journal is a place where sometimes we have to sit down and do that for a while and get out whatever's in the blockages is in the way before the dam bursts. I've had clients who journaled to me for a week or more. This is not a joke where, and I've encouraged them to, they just journal about how much they hate me having them do it. Like they're <laughs> right. angry. Like, I don't like doing this. This is uncomfortable. <clears throat> Here's why. I think this is a bad idea. This may work for all your other clients, but it doesn't work for me, right? Like all of these things, but is but and then as we start to examine the resistance, right? We start to look at I mean that's even progress. And then Absolutely. we just we move from there. Yeah. Know? And one and we're going to do in uh in I think it's uh part 2 of this series, we're going to talk about couples check-ins. Yes. And journaling becomes a way to prepare yourself to have a check-in as a couple. You yeah. do a lot of the heavy lifting and a lot of the the, the pre work you do through your journaling before you come together as a couple, and we'll we'll talk more about that. Well, mm -hmm. let's let's quickly um, wrap this up and talk about how you engage in journaling. Okay, um, probably one of the first things for me, and I mentioned it briefly a minute ago. Journaling's got to be unfiltered, right? No yeah. rules, no grammar, no spelling, and most especially, and this is Mark. Do not journal for posterity. <laughs> my early journal entries in my early recovery were absolute crap. Oh, me too. Because I was journaling knowing that someone would read it someday, <laughs> and I wanted to make sure they were impressed. Oh, my gosh. They're so going to be impressed when they read this. Let me tell you. It was a total ego trip. <laughs> it, was, it was a complete and not only a waste of time, it actually <laughs> fed the very things that were, oh. that were causing my addiction in the first place. Shame, so not, not measuring up. So, so totally unfiltered, just let it rip. Right. Yeah. And make sure that it's not rushed. Give yourself a peaceful space and enough time so that you can just let this flow. Yep. Absolutely. No, that's a great starting point. And we could, we could probably do a whole retreat on that, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep moving here. Um, a little, and this, this is good advice, by the way, whether you're seeing Mark or I in therapy, whether you're working in our amazing D2C program for addicts, spouses, and couples, whether you're working with another therapist or just pursuing recovery on your own journey for whatever reason, uh, the following rule is applicable to really pretty much everything we do in recovery. A little bit each day, 
will be much more effective than trying to cram and to do like a week's worth of this, for example, in an hour or two hours. Mm -hmm. You will just not get the same amount out of it. Um, Biologically, your brain is not wired to do this kind of heavy lifting for hours on end. Um, I have clients that sometimes will, uh, Mark, you were telling me a while back about, we both had people who've said, oh, so you think this will be like a 16 a 16 like sessions kind of deal. Well, I'll just clear my calendar for tomorrow and let's just, I'll just pay you for your time. Let's just, let's just camp out somewhere at a hotel and let's knock this thing out 16 hours. Let's just like, let's do this. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll be cured. <laughs> It'll all be done. Let's get this out of the way. And it doesn't work because your brain numbs out about 90 minutes into that. Of course. And the rest of it's just dead air. So please, 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 a little bit every day, five minutes a day of this will yield so much better results than just the once a week. Yeah, because two things on that. You one number one, you need to get your brain into the into the habit uh, so that this becomes second nature. And how does that take place? Through repetition, pure, yes. simple repetition. It's how we developed all of our other habits in life. And the other part is you can't save up to do the journaling. You need to do it in the moment, so to speak. I need to yes. do it when my emotions are fresh and when I can really feel what's going on with me. I can't save all of that up. And then this weekend, I'm going to go back and remember all of that and what it was like in the exact moment. Yes. No, you, that's, it's it's going to be horribly ineffective. A good way to, I actually said this to a client the other day, um, a good way to look at journaling is it, it, it's like the emotional equivalent of flushing the toilet. <laughs> and not to like get too TMI here, like but it kind of is, right? I mean, <laughs> if you, <laughs> you, you, the reality is, is that we just all have crap that builds up every day, right? As we go throughout our day, um, you know, stuff with the spouse, stuff at work, stuff, you know, the car breaking, I mean, whatever, right? We all have stuff that just builds up and journaling is one of the best ways to hit the flush button and get rid of that crap so that it doesn't block up everything. Yeah, imagine waiting seven days to flush your toilet. I mean, oh, geez. <laughs> that is not the life for me. That's kind of what this is like. I do that well, one day and it's instant regret. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's finish up with uh, really quick, uh, just, a, just a quick journaling uh, template. Yeah. How, how do I journal? And uh, Steve, you brought up a great thing before we started today. Uh, we used kind of this... SOAP process, S-O-A-P. And it's a process clinician we use as clinicians in order to review a client session we've had, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to do an assessment there. But this is a great approach for, for uh, how to come at a journaling session with yourself. Mm, so yeah. you do that in like 90 seconds? Yeah, I can go pretty quick. Um, and there's lots of ways to do this, but this is a good starting point, right? Um, so S S typically stands for situation when we're talking about, you know, the soap and soap acronym. So that's just laying out what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a good way to start a journal, right? Here are the events of the day. Like this is, these were the highs. These are the lows. The second part O stands for objective observation. And again, this being applied to not as a client to, or a therapist to a client, but rather as one to self, Right. This would be a good way to look at this is like, how did I feel about those things that happened? How did they impact me? Mm-hmm. Right. When the guy cut me off on the on the freeway, how did I feel about it then? How do I feel about it now? What made that better or worse? Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then we've got, uh, you know, we've got a or which stands for like assessment analysis. So in, in this context, that would be where 
given the information that I got about my situation and how I reacted today, where do I need to go to improve, right? What's the direction that needs to be taken tomorrow to make it a little better than it was today, right? And what, what would be the trajectory? And then P just stands for planning, right? Which would come in the form of what's one small goal I can either set for the first time or recommit to, right? In order to, in order to make tomorrow actually execute that and make tomorrow a little bit better of a day. Yeah. What exactly am I going to do? Right. One simple thing. Yep. Yep. So soap S O A P when the crap emotional crap builds up inside of us, we need to get out our soap and engage, engage in a journaling, a journaling session. Yep. Scrub it down, scrub it down. So soaping up and uh, flushing. That's yeah, that's it. Uh, for that one, we are going to pick this up in our next uh, episode. Part two, we're, we're going to talk about the couples check-in. Sounds great. Have a good week, everybody. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.